Hello and welcome. You are listening to my AP project. On this episode, we are going to unmask the topic of environmental racism. Have you ever wondered where all our waste goes? Today we have a special guest, Laverne Mitchell, four-term mayor of the village of Lincoln Heights. Here's a snippet of our interview. My dad and her both said you were part of the Black Panther. Is that true? Before we continue to this podcast, let's explain what environmental racism even is. It is the way minority neighborhoods are burdened with a lot of hazard toxic waste facilities, garbage dumps, and other environmental pollution and foul odors that lower the quality of life. While some argue that environmental racism is not a thing because everyone is affected by the lack of care the government has towards environmental safety, the government must do a better job in protecting the minorities. The minorities are being poisoned every day living in their toxic environments. They are developing or being born with health problems, and the environmental racism is causing destruction to buildings, water sources, air, and land. Here's something to think on. Dr. Robert Bullard, the father of the environmental justice, he proved that African-American children were five times more likely to have lead poisoning than their white counterparts. Just think about that. Each year in Houston, Texas, up to 484,000 pounds of toxic chemicals are released throughout the area from 21 surrounding toxic release inventories. The toxic was so bad that the local elementary school was forced to shut down. There was a high concentrated level of lead found in children. Yes, in the children. This community is about 98% Hispanic. Can you imagine sending your child to school to get an education and they're being poisoned with lead day to day? That, that just blows my mind. In a town in China, it was found that 80% of children were poisoned from old computer parts. And if you didn't know, China discards computer parts and they get piled up into the river, which contaminates the water supplies with copper and lead. The water samples there showed that the lead levels were 190 times higher than the WHO limits. 190 times higher. It's, that's, that just amazed me, you know? And it doesn't have to be as big as ingesting lead. It could just be a factory in your neighborhood is giving off too much carbon monoxide and now your community is being exposed to carbon monoxide poisoning. Can you imagine doing your daily routine and not realizing that you're being poisoned? That is just, that, that's just crazy. I remember listening to the story this girl was telling. She said when she was a lot younger, she used to eat paint chips off her grandmother's house. Yes, paint chips, because she said it tasted sweet. Her grandmother found out and explained to her that you can't eat paint chips, one, because it's paint, and two, because the paint on her house was lead. I took a step back and thought about all the other kids who eat random objects around, you know, the house or the neighborhood and how they're being poisoned because they don't know what's in it. And nine times out of ten, these toxic objects are found in neighborhoods that are populated with people of color. Environmental racism has also caused multiple health problems. Everything I have said before is from weform.com and everything I'm about to say is from insiders.com. There's a place that has a nickname of Cancer Valley. 
It is an 85-mile stretch of land along the Mississippi River between New Orleans and the Banton Road lined with oil refineries and petrochemical plants. They got this name because the residents in this area are 50 times more likely to develop cancer than the average American. And those who live in that area are predominantly black. In Bronx, they also have a nickname. It is Asthma Alley. Their air pollution is really bad. 20% of children have asthma. That's double the average. 1951 through 1971, the U.S. Public Health Service performed a massive medical experiment of 4,000 Navajo uranium miners, allowing them to work without knowing the effects of radiation. They knew the effects ahead of time. The effects were predictable. The effects were high levels of lung cancer and other diseases from breathing in radium. They, the government knew the effects and still let these people continue on what they were doing. Batteries from America, operated by American, European, and Japanese companies, have resulted in soaring rates of anencephaly. Anencephaly is where a child is born without a brain. Can you believe environmental racism has gotten so bad that a child can be born without a brain? Now we're going to talk about environmental racism and the destruction of buildings, water supplies, air, and land. 1,172 pipelines was considered a threat to Standing Rock Indian Reservation water supplies, as well as sites of historic importance and culturally sensitive burial grounds. In 2016 through 2017, they tried to protest against the pipelines. The protest was unsuccessful, but it caught the public imagination, starting marches and support from Bernie Sanders. On YouTube, I watched a video called Oil, Gas, and the Effects of Environmental Racism. A man in the video lives in Ponca Tribe of Oklahoma. He mentioned that there was a cell of hydrogen sulfide. If the gas was to be released, it would kill every living thing in a 15-mile radius. And he went on to talk about how around the cells were many houses. Then one day, an orange toxic goo they called orange sludge started boiling up in their basements. Then the government condemned the land and bought all the houses. They tore down all the houses and turned the land into a park, which was to bring your friends and family together. But the orange slug, which was toxic, was still under the park. They never cleared up the orange slug. They just smoothed it over and made it look pretty. In a TED Talk, How America's Public School Keeps Kids in Poverty, she said, If we're going to call public education public education, then it should be just that. Otherwise, we should call it what it really is, poverty insurance. Public education, keeping poor kids poor since 1994. Think about that. Determining where you live determines on how well your education is and what supplies they have for you and how safe the environment is. Environmental racism occurs because communities lack resources to raise awareness or fight a costly legal battle. These resources are available to wealthier and white communities, which they are better able at to divert toxic generators elsewhere in the process known as Not In My Backyard, N-I-N-B-Y-ism. I have an aunt that lives in Chicago, so we go to Chicago pretty frequently. I remember every single time I go to Chicago, my allergies flare up, my asthma flares up, even my eczema. And, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand why all these things are flaring up because where I'm from they usually don't flare up as bad and I talked to my aunt and she's explaining to me how Chicago has really bad pollution can you imagine that the pollution is so bad 
that your eczema flares up. Not just your asthma and allergies, which is common for pollution. Your skin would get irritated by how bad and toxic the pollution is. Now, let's get into the interview with Laverne Mitchell. She served four terms as the mayor for the village of Lincoln Heights. She has more than 30 accomplishments under her belt. It's crazy to think that I've known this woman since I was like two, but let's get into it. Today I'm here with Laverne Mitchell. She has accomplished so many things in her lifetime. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Laverne Mitchell and I'm a resident of the village of Lincoln Heights. I currently serve on Lincoln Heights Council. Um, I have been on and off council since 1984. Wow. I've been the council person, I've been the manager, I've been the, uh, the vice mayor, and I've been the mayor four times. So um, I am a proud, proud resident of the village of Lincoln Heights. I'm a retired school teacher, mm-hmm. and um, I um, attend St. Simon's Episcopal Church, and I am currently the board chair of the Healthcare Connection, which has three health centers in the city of Cincinnati. Wow, you do a lot. <laughs> All right, can you tell us about your current job or your current position? Well, as a council member, um, I am chair of the Finance Committee, and I sit on the Economic Development Committee as well as the Law Committee. Um, and so... That's basically it. Being on council takes a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, I recently, just this year, became chair of the um, chair of the board of the Healthcare Connection, and I've been on this board for about twenty years. Wow! Um, and I, I help coordinate a, a valley pantry. Nice. Do you know what environmental racism is or environmental justice? Well, environmental racism to me is. Um, where the conditions are in a black community or mm-hmm. a poor community, wherever these um, poor conditions are in terms of the environment um, are, they typically are in um, a community that does not have a lot of political power or a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, environmental justice is addressing environmental injustice. So environmental justice is the action Mm -hmm. that we do to eliminate environmental problems in the community. Do you have any experiences with environmental racism or environmental justice? Well, um, environmental racism has been here in Lincoln Heights for quite some time. Um, And recently we've been dealing with the um, Cincinnati Police Firing Range which is next to um, a housing project called Mariana Terrace. Mm -hmm. And so it's been there since um, the 60s, late 60s. Of course, Lincoln Heights was incorporated in 46, but we didn't always have the firing range. And so the guns are going off from 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock, sometimes late at night at 9 o'clock, and it sounds like bombs um, dropping. Mm -hmm. And so at first, you know, it was something that we kind of accepted. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, I don't think anybody really, in the beginning, some things were not environmental injustice. So if the firing range was there first and then they built um, a housing development in Woodlawn and then Mm -hmm. then also built um, Mariana Terrace. 
but the firing range was already there. So as time goes on, then you begin to realize that's not good for the community. Mm-hmm. Hence, um, environmental injustice. Now, I can't say that because Mariana Terrace was there, they said, oh, let's put it there because it's a poor community. Um, it just became environmental injustice once we started addressing the issue. That, that noise, you have young kids, mm-hmm. you have children um, listening to that all day, yeah. half the night. So it becomes, people become insensitive to the sound of gunfire. So then when you have actual, um, gun violence going yeah. on, right? So then what does that do for the psyche of a child? You know, yes. um, especially those who might have, you know, some underlying conditions, even adults. And what does that do when uh, recently we went to uh, the city of Cincinnati um, and to the county commissioners and talked about it. And so um, one of the teachers who live in the community said, hey, you know, now that we're doing virtual mm-hmm. instruction, children even on the computer can hear that. Yeah. So that becomes, what does that do for you while you're trying to learn? So we are trying to address that. And I would say that um, it, that is what I would call environmental injustice that needs to be done. It may not have started out as environmental racism, but mm-hmm. it ends up being an injustice to the community. How do you educate people on environmental racism or environmental injustice? Well, I think you have to begin to um, make sure that you put the word out there that it's happening. Um, you know, you have to educate people that when corporations begin to look for places to put something, mm-hmm. where do they look? They look where it's easy for them to place it there where there are no restrictions. Mm-hmm. So um, in some communities or municipalities who make their own laws, their own zoning, they need to be able to make sure they're aware of what those zoning laws are. Um, and then you need to have a grassroots organization that is like a watchdog. Um, I know recently Bond Hill went to um, the county commissioners with their placard saying, don't flush our neighborhood mm-hmm. down the toilet because they're having sewer problems. Oh, yeah. Now, so. typically, you know, any community can have sewer problems, but um, again, if you look at Bond Hill, Bond Hill, the predominantly black community, not saying that the commissioners aren't paying attention, but you wonder how soon do they begin um, to address the issue. Um, envir- so that's like an injustice, okay? Mm-hmm. But environmental racism, years ago, like I want to say maybe in the um, the late Nine. 70s or 80s, yeah. there's Elder Landfield, which is basically in Winton Hills or Winton Terrace, mm-hmm. and the company wanted to come in and put um, a waste site there. Well, when they couldn't do the waste site, they said, okay, well, we'll do a recycling. Mm-hmm. Neither one was good for that community, and yeah. it was a black community. And so um, they took it to court. The court said, oh, yeah, go ahead, you can do it. Wow. But Sure, there were probably other places it could go. So they kind of fought against that. And um, there was the stench that was there, the smell that was there. So that becomes environmental racism when you aren't paying attention to where you're actually putting it that close to those homes in um, Amwood and uh, Winton Terrace. I was doing some research and 
I don't know if this is still up to date, but legally, you only have to put, like, a toxic plant only 500 feet away from, like, a house or something. Okay. That is not far at all. 500 that, feet, that's across not. the street. So that's where environmental injustice comes in because the policies mm-hmm. and the regulations allow it to happen. Yeah. So, you know, it would behoove... Um, government officials to really look at that and say, hey, how do we make um, make this safe? How do we make it environmentally correct? Mm-hmm. So that if you want to put that place somewhere, the regulations have to be that it keeps the community safe. So there you go. If you don't have enforcement and if you have policies that allow it, yeah, then that's just... environmental injustice. What type of role has race played in setting of toxic facilities? Well, when they start looking around, that's where they go. They go to a community when those facilities are being built. Mm-hmm. They go to those communities who can't have anything to say. The minorities. You know, they, have, uh-huh, they have no political power. They don't necessarily have to be a black community. It can be a poor, just a poor community. Mm-hmm. If you look at um, the, um, the gold mines, the diamond mines yeah. in, in Africa, I mean, they're in places where... You know, nothing but poverty. Look at the coal mines of Virginia and West Virginia. They, you know, the people that live there, um, that environmentally injustice facility Mm -hmm. is their lifeline. Yeah. But yet they come out with black lung disease. Yes. Right? So... You know, I, I I think that we have to take a look at that. If you look at, um, um, let, let's take the um, the Native Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it was called the Indian Land Removal Act or something like that. They put them on in places where the the land was dry, and then they come in with plants that need that dryness. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of military bases that do experiments and things like that out there. And, you know, when you see on television, it looks like, okay, well, Indians don't live far from it. You know, so it's like no regard um, for the quality of life of people around just so that those companies can make that big dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's slowly changing. I'm sure it's a lot. Um, Just like with any pollution, Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Right, so why was why is that water contaminated? And it's probably not just Flint. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on where that company was and how it seeps into the water. I was doing some research, mm-hmm. and it said that... Where was it? It was Af- African Americans who make 50 to 60,000 a year are more likely to live in a polluted area than their white counterparts that make 10000 a year. I found that really crazy. Hmm. I was like, how is that possible? Baby doll, I, I, <laughs> I tell you, Noemi, it's, you know, it's all about corporate America and the big dollar. You know, it's yeah. who can make it uh, happen economically for them. And um, it, it's... it's usually in those communities that don't have that political power. Um, now, you know, I think one time we had an opportunity here in the village of Lincoln Heights, in my personal opinion, that 
um, we could have had a good economic deal. And the state wanted needed to put a pre-release center mm-hmm. where inmates who are about ready to go home will come from the prison to this location, you know, like 90 days before they're released. Mm-hmm. And at that time, people were like, oh, not in my backyard. Well, yeah. we have political power at the time to make that happen because that would have been income. You know, when you look yeah. at a right, and it wasn't like it was a prison, but again, that's where you asked me about education comes in. Um, you, you have to start early with letting people know uh, what the benefits, you know, of that is and that this is not environmental racism. This becomes um, an economic yeah. um, situation for the village of Lincoln Heights. So sometimes, you know, depending on what the facility is, um, people will deem it um, environmental racism or environmental justice, which injustice, but you have to look at how is it going to impact that community, mm-hmm. okay? That particular um, facility would not have negatively impacted us. It would have given us tax revenue. Yeah, that's what you're saying. And so they moved it up, Warren County, somewhere like that, that's, you know, benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. But other things, um, you know, like if you look at, um, I guess, anywhere where there's, a lot of pollution in the air tends to be, those companies that pollute tend to be in low economic communities. Mm-hmm. This is our last question. Is there anything you want to speak on about this topic or anything you think that we should know or just the getting information out about this topic or this problem? Well, you know, I think a lot of times people think that this uh, environmental racism, um, you know, just started. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. It, it hasn't, but you know, it just depends on when it come about. Like when you think about environmental racism um, or injustice, um, I guess I thought about um, Cesar Chavez mm-hmm. um, in California when we had migrant workers and they had to work around the pesticides that were put um, on the crops. So that sort of is an environmental injustice thing. It's eventually, mm-hmm. you know, after research and I think after World War Two or whatever, then they start realizing these pesticides aren't the best thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, um, I think it was in maybe New York or Chicago or something like that, they had a group called the Lords. They were Puerto Ricans, and they... Um, they were all about all the toxic substances that was in their community. And a lot of it I regarded, uh, you know, the waste. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly, we got to have somewhere to put our trash. Yeah. But, it, you know, it needs to be farther out. You know, let the, you know, technology begin to take care of it. So that has always been an issue, as well as the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers also was an um, environmental um, injustice group mm-hmm. that was fighting against where are you putting um, these plants, where are you putting these um, toxic companies that pollute and filter into um, the black community. So I think it's, um, you know, it, it's something that we don't sometimes uh, um, think about. So, you know. My mom brought this to my attention when I was asking her who to interview. She told me you, and then my dad and her both said, you were part of the Black Panther. Is that true? <laughs> I they said that, and I was just like, interesting. No, 
No, I was never part of the Black Panthers, but, um, you know, I was just, um, let's just say pro-black. I mean, mm-hmm. ever since uh, my college days, I went to school in the 60s, mm-hmm. 60, you know, uh, 68 to 72, um, when we just started standing up for what, what we needed. So I was very active in a lot of black organizations. was never a black <laughs> panther. Got that much nerve. <laughs> Well, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being my, I think it's called an interviewee. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, uh, your parents for thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to my AP project. I hope you took a lot of information out of this. And now I leave you with this question. Have you ever experienced environmental racism? And is there any way you can help stop this problem?